So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Matthew Media, alongside my critique of Banding Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is our first for 2020 episode of Retrospect Reviews. And for those who are new to this, this is essentially where we look back at a movie or an album, preferably a hip-hop album, um, technically 10, 15, 20, 25, and go on, if you get the idea, you know, years ago. And we just kind of critique it, kind of look back at it, talk about how yeah. you know, it resonated with us in our respective lives. And if it holds up now, you know, even though sometimes yeah. they do, sometimes they don't, right? So in this case, you know, we had to flip a coin because essentially there were two films that we were to talk about initially, right? Um, but it's interestingly enough, they, they are different, but they are similar in, <laughs> in some unique ways, right? So it was The Last Dragon, you know, the, the cult classic from 1985, right. and Romeo Must Die from 2000. So we flipped a coin, and it was like, well, yeah, Romeo Must Die. Clearly because, you know, we remember when Romeo Must Die came out in 2000. We remember how big a deal it was back then. Um, I actually saw this in theaters. I believe you did as well. And, you know, it was just the show. Just, just while I was watching this uh, movie, because, yes, I recapped it, you know, to do this review here. I was like, yes, I remember how big a deal it was and how it was like, yes, you, you kind of had to see the show now, you know what I mean? They were playing Try Again, like, what, every five minutes on the radio? In the I know, yes, 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 Try Again, which was a big song from, for the movie, which was done by the late, great Aaliyah, who um, makes her debut film appearance in this movie here. Um, yeah. And what's, what makes it quite interesting here, and this is what we're going to lead into, is that this is the second Hollywood film to feature... Well, one of my, I could say, movie icons growing up in the 90s, Jet Li. This was yeah, the second film appearance in a, in a Hollywood film. Um, yeah, it was. One being the, yes, the, the really underwhelming Lethal Weapon 4, which I was right. too young to see because it came out in 1997. I was still, no, I was now going into, I was now in secondary school, actually. So I was like one year or so shy from being able to see it. But yeah. I saw it later on on local TV, and I was like, wait, that's it? That's a big deal? Yeah. Jet only had, like, one line. I think it was, in Hong Kong, you'd already be dead. And right. the story itself was just so flimsy, and you could just tell that everybody, well, I mean everybody, I mean Joe Pesci, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, they were all too old for this shit, you know what I mean? Just basically, yeah. Yeah. from the movie. It just felt painfully old and by the numbers, and Jet yeah, being yeah. there was just like, okay, well, what's the point, you know what I mean? So, you find out? Final, the final battle with the two of them versus him was, was kind of badass, but that, that was about it. Yeah, it was, it was. I'll, I'll give it that, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. But um, what, what went down is that, well, you know, great producer Joel Silver um, wanted, you know, Jet Li to star in Romeo Must Die. But first, it was some kind of deal or something like that. I just read, um, read it off of Wikipedia. So if I'm wrong, you can let me know. Um, he had to do Lethal Weapon 4 first. And at the time, you know, he wasn't that first in English which carries over into Romeo Must Die, which is why, you know, he, he did speak, but not that much, right? But right. before we get to Romeo Must Die, um, I just want to talk about, you know, the man himself, Jet Li, you know, me, what he meant to me. So, you know, I, I, I've, I've said this before, I am a huge fan of martial arts films, right? And I would never forget, in the 90s, there was this boom of, you know, martial arts films that came out from, um, I believe it was um, this company called Golden Harvest, I don't know whatever happened. What what happened to that group? Oh, well, sorry, yeah. that um, studio. Yeah, I wanted to, well, I wanted to just get into like to me, it was the I, I wouldn't want to say necessarily apotheosis, but it was a kind of culmination of you know 
quote unquote black culture and Asian American Asian American culture kind of mixing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why that was like there's a there's a whole pattern going back since you know effectively the fifties and sixties. Yes. Uh, yes. And, yeah. I, I keep talking about why does our black people like martial arts, Asian stuff so much, and I well now in, in today's generation anime. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how come you know you know black people love themselves on anime? Let me admit that. Uh, uh, this is true, true. As you say that, um, well, recent article actually today at Times Record, I saw this. Um, you know the big wrestling trio, the New Day, um, actually yeah. voted you know Dragon Ball Z as the best anime yes. ever. You know? Yeah, you know they, they they yeah they constantly dress up and cosplay as them. Yeah, I love those guys. Um, no, but uh, I was thinking about like what it is about you know um, you know a lot of Asian culture that that. A black culture, especially black American culture, got into so heavily, um, you know, since, um, you know, since the time of, well, Bruce Lee himself. Exactly. Um, yeah. Or even before that. You know, I always think of, um, you know, Karibu Duke Jabba was a student of Bruce Lee. Yes. Uh, was this guy named Jim Brown? What was the guy's name? Was he? Um, one of... Oh, gosh. Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. Um, Jim Kelly, sorry. He was, he, was yeah. the, he was the sole black guy. Sorry, not the sole black guy. He was the right. black martial artist in um in Enter the yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Right. And you know, just just thinking about, and I'm more two cents about that. You know, like what it is with black black people in Asia. I think what it is is that I'm a, 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 just more kind of just kind of pet kind of um geopolitical kind of perspective, historical kind of take on the matter. Um, that because black diaspora has been entirely defined by Europe and um, America, and well, you know, effectively being an underclass, or at least at least being, you know, somewhat revered as an underclass. But Asia never had that history with us, so we never had a history with Asia. There's very little, very few of us travel to Asia. The idea of like a black samurai is like a super rare thing. I mean, you have like what two, three examples of black people going to Japan before the 1900s, for example. Um, you know, Yasuke, right? That is, you know, the only people could say off the top of their head, right? Yeah. And I was just thinking about how, you know, just the idea of what defines black people. That is a kind of, in a sense, a kind of weird, fresh start in a sense, like moving to Africa. Because right now I'm doing like a lot of, uh, I'm doing a lot of studying of people, you know, black people in, in Asian countries and what their experiences are. Right. And it's like a totally different experience. So them is like just, to them it's just a life. It's not a history. It's not a toxic history. Right, European right. history is toxic. American history is very toxic. Um, yeah. that, you know, I don't know how to. Yeah, that's all. Just my two cents on that, and just to see now why that, that, that you know, even the, even the word Africa is a kind of poison word, right? It's still a pra- kind of a weird word on its own that is specifically Ro- Roman and European itself. And yeah. I'm just thinking about how that that reset kind of playing itself out, and why does we embrace? You know the the Asian stuff. Now. I don't know. That's just my two cents. I mean, not to say that Asia not racist or anything like that, but it's only because of European influence in itself. People would argue. And then right. you know the history, anime, and 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 representation come out reasonably well as well. You know, it have a lot of great black anime characters. Like yeah, that's something yeah, that, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, please. Yes, it have a lot of a lot of um, black stereotypes in in anime, but it was never to the degree of bothering people. Like I mean, you have you know characters like Mister Poopoo and something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't remember but, that character. Mm. Right, but it's still not something that they're really stick in the same way, no, or play out the same way. Mm-hmm. It, it, it never had that, that, that really pathological connotation, um, even though you know, it is, the imagery is roughly the same. I don't know. Yeah. So I just, yeah, yeah. And then this stuff just kind of 
play out and play out and culminate in, in again, Bruce Lee, you know, um, Tower of Death, Enter the Dragon, you know, Kareem well, Dugu. Game of Death, Game of Death. <laughs> that, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank even, you. even though it was a, a tower-like, you know, um, sequence, basically, you know what I mean? Yes, yes Game of Death, yes, thank you for correcting me. Um, and then, you know, well, to me, the, the 90s, it kind of hit. Well, of course, we have, you know, we boys in the Wu-Tang Clan. Of course, and then, yeah. You know, in Hollywood, it hit with well, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan. Right, that's where it kind of starts, right? Right. Um, well, well, I will. Okay. Well, so I'll just use all that basically as as you said, right? So you're absolutely right. Um, you know, with the with the seventies, you know, with um, with Bruce Lee, you know, what I mean, and his it's his impact, sorry, on right. you know film, you know, what I mean, well, with you know um, Eastern film, right? And then of course with yeah. the breakout hit, uh, Enter the Dragon in nineteen seventy three. Which unfortunately was the last film that um, that he made before he he passed away. Now. But yeah, you're right. You know what I mean, in terms of having you know the, the um, Jim Kelly, who was a karate expert at the time, right? And you know him being um, fr- uh, not front and center, but him being a, a side character in the show, you know, clearly impacted you know African Americans at that time, right? You know, from there it's like, oh, I want to be like Jim Kelly or whatnot. Even though it's sad that his career never went off as as far as it should, you know. Um, but still, yeah. from there, you know, what I mean, other like it, like basically, martial arts always had well had a, a place in um in black exploitation. Like um, I'll never forget with Superfly, which came out a year yeah. before. Superfly was learning karate, right? And you'd always have like a little karate thing going on, a little punchy camera, blah blah blah, right? But um, point is, after that, after the you know the success of Eddie Dragon, you had stuff like Dolomite, where you know Rudy Ray Moore was teaching these 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 girls how to fight and all that kind of stuff. There, so it was like, yeah, we, we it's part of it. But um, you know, because of you know like the, the local theater, you know what I mean, and of course like what you know in the states, Channel Five, where where you have access to see you know these um, old well old school now you know uh, martial arts films. Yeah, that that kind of just permeated into African-American culture. And from there, of course, that's where the Wu-Tang started from, you know what I mean? Just right. watching these films and learning their, their ideologies and stuff like that. So in our case, though, um, you know, we weren't born in the 70s, so we didn't really know about the impact of Bruce Lee till after the fact, you know what I mean? He was just right. a part of culture by the time we yeah. grew up. Um, yeah, one great example me. is, um, you know, Family Matters. You know, Steve right. had... One of his, right. uh, one of his, um, one of his personas, yeah. yeah, was a Bruce Lee character. You know what I mean? So right. it's crazy like that, yeah. Yeah, no. For me, the eighties, the only real like martial arts stuff that I was exposed to in terms of popular culture was well, the eighties and ninja culture. Like another ninja yes, shit was, yes, yes. yeah. Uh, and well, the ninja titles themselves, right? I mean, yeah, a lot yeah, of. Yeah. But, um, but that's about it. Okay? And then, well, you know, karate and karate class was super popular in, in the nineties. I never, never actually went to it myself. My cousin and my all my friends used to go to that shit, and yeah, that that shit. And then, well, right, <laughs> I, I stuff had like friends that. who went to that. Um, I, I don't yeah. know, I just didn't want to go. I feel that like bust my leg and like get serious injuries. There. But you're right, though. Yeah. You know, in the '80s, you know, with the ninja boom and you know this thing about karate and characters being able to fight. So you had like karate kid and all that jazz, right? But with yeah. us now, you know, Ricardo and I, you know, it was the '90s, right? So from then we had like you know it was the Van Dams, it was the Steven Seagal's, all that kind of stuff, right? right? So we didn't really see that much like Asian representation until like see, you know, Brandon Lee and Rapid Fire and stuff like that, right? right. But then that was around that time. No, that was when I was introduced to well, before we get to Jet Li, um, to Jackie Chan because to me, well, right. he was kind of the first um, Asian American, sorry, the Asian actor. Well, I should say martial artist 
during that time to really break it out, to really break through in terms of like um, Hollywood popularity. Then. But he did back in the 80s, right? But we didn't know that until um, like we dug into his uh, filmography because he started another little film called The Protector and he didn't like how the process of that would. So he went back to Hong Kong and he did, you know, the, the classic police story one and two. But right. he went back to the States again and he did Rumble in the Bronx, which came out in 95. And, yeah. you know, that blew up. And from there, it was like, okay, well, we have the next big superstar, right? Also, another thing, the big factor, well, mentioned in Wu-Tang Clan, is the whole, you know, the popularity of, well, just general Asian cinema in the ghetto, uh, in yes, Trinidad. Yes. Yeah. We, we, like, I know a lot of people, I, I have a lot of American, like, my cousins don't know who Jet Li was at all until relatively recently, at, speaking at the time, this was 98. And I was like, yeah, but Jet Li was, like, super popular here for years. You know, Chinese films that came around, and I, I probably would credit it to, well, our local Chinese population. We have a very vibrant Chinese population. Yes. Um, so they're being demonized for all this bullshit going down, sadly. And uh, they, I, I would argue a lot of that is because of that, you know, that stuff coming down in, in and these relatively cheap movies being delivered across. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shaw Brothers and, and Golden Harvest stuff then spread in Hollywood for some reason. Like, that, that's something that never take off except in black, black, uh, black inner city. Yes, yes, yes. But, but yeah, which, which is quite interesting, though, because, like, those movies yeah. were, like, of course, they were hits in Hong Kong and stuff like that, but, like, to, yeah. in Hollywood, you know what I mean? It was like, we don't know what these shows are, you know what I mean? It's just with film clubs and just, you know, um, just people who just, you know, were more intrigued, you know, what a little more about, you know, um, Hong Kong action cinema and stuff like that. That's where they discovered the Shaw Brothers movies, you know what I mean? The 36 Chambers, Shaolin, um, yeah. you know, the earlier Bruce Lee movies, like The Big Boss, The Chinese Connection, stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, but cut to the 90s now and, you know, with the success of, um, of Romilly Bronx. But I remember before that, you know, there were, there were Jet Li films that came out that, that were um, showing in theaters. Like and I don't know what, what happened, though, because I know a majority of those films were for all ages, right? But for some reason, yeah. I just never saw any of them till, well, I'll talk about one in particular that I saw in 2000. But we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, go on. But for me, um, Tai Chi, right? That's it. That's it. But here, here's that, yeah, because I, right, I remember when Tai Chi, well, okay, well, the American... Um, title fit now is Twin Warriors, right? Right. Um, so that's how you know it now. But back in '93, it was called Tai Chi, and yeah. I remember how big that movie was. I remember trailers just running yeah. endlessly on TV, yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit! I have to see this." But I was still in private school, and I don't know what happened, but I just never got to see it till no, I, I, saw it. I saw it. I saw it well, when I was well. Well, you and I grew up in Arima, um, Windsor, right? Yeah, yeah, um, well, I eventually saw it in Windsor. Mm-hmm. I saw it in Windsor, and I was blown away how fucking awesome that shit was, Dread. Like, Bojetli and Michelle Yao? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, that, that movie is a bona fide classic. Like, if classic. you haven't seen the movie, you have yeah. to. It is amazing, right? But the funny thing is, I did not see when it came out in 93. I saw it right. in 2000, ironically, when, you know, um, there was a next era as far as, you know, these Hong Kong action cinema movies go. With Crouch right. Tiger Hidden Dragon, because that was a right. double. Yeah, right. and well, you know, the impact of that, and then, well, you know, right. Wusha, you know, got a resurgence yeah. with that film, you know what I mean? But it was ironic that the same stuff that they were doing with the Wireworks and stuff like that, that I was blown yeah. away as a kid, finally got the attention of mainstream Hollywood with Crouch right. Tiger Hidden Dragon, right? So that's right. interesting. 
I was uh, I was exposed to right. So the the thing is, my my uh, uncles and my dad were really into Jackie. They prefer Jackie over um, Jet Li by far, like to them, because they they grew up on Jackie in particular. And I, the thing is, I was exposed to well with Drew, the magic of something called VHS. Um, I saw a lot of early Jackie as well. And to me, I, I always prefer Jackie personally over Jet Li, mostly because just the, the sheer showmanship and insanity that Jackie put himself through. I know, right? And how comical he made them look to it, you know? Right, right. And then so Romilly Rom- Bunks was like late. So I, again, I had a lot of, a lot of um, like cousins in America who didn't know Jackie Chan, who didn't know who Jackie Chan was. Like, yeah, you serious? Like, just watch his shit. <laughs> He's like, I'm <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but by the time Jetley came stateside, um, it was of kind of a big deal. It's like, holy shit, Jet Li actually in a movie. And so the culmination of everything coming up to, you know, the, the 90s, and well, there's a little film that influenced, we're gonna, we have to mention it, because it was uh, a movie that came out a year prior, and it, it hit like a, a nuclear bomb on, um, on cinema, on world cinema, not only American cinema, um, The Matrix. Yes. Right. Of course, you know, with, with the fight choreography from the great Yuan Wuping, you know what I mean, who has worked on films like, you know, Drunk, um, Jackie Chan's Drunken Master or yes. Jet Li's Fist of Legend, still one of the best movies right. he's, ever, he's ever started. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so, so by the time that came on and everybody was like, all right, well, you know, there's a thing now. By the, so the next year, I remember just being so super hyped for just seeing the trailer. I was like, wait, DMX and Jet Li in a movie, Dread? I know, right? <laughs> Which they would end up, you know, capitalizing on again with with right. the with the guilty pleasure of a movie cradle to the grave. It's still one of my yeah. big guilty pleasure movies, I, right? I, yeah, exactly. And, I, and so the, just the sheer hype, it was just a kind of perfect confluence of events. Alia was like, you know, everybody's princess at that time. Yes, and yes, yes. just having that come together and, and play itself out. And they did a thing in Hollywood that was a big, 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 big subversion that I hope to mention, which is the idea of a black female romantic lead and an Asian male romantic lead, which is two things yes. that you never fucking see in Hollywood. That's right. have, that is right. That was a big deal too. Yeah, it, it was. It, it really, really was though. Um, and touching on that too. Well, yeah, this is how we're going to do it. You know, as you bring up something, it reminds me of something. So we'll just kind of play off each other. You know, what um, the interesting, well, as I bring up that, right, the, the thing that interested me about, well, this movie here, Romeo Must Die, was, of course, the title, right? Because if you remember, yeah. well, four years ago, we had Baz Luhrmann's William Shakespeare, Romeo and Juliet, right? Which right, I never right. saw because, well, I don't know, I was just too young at the time. But I remember back in 96, how big a deal that movie was. It was right. Leonardo DiCaprio, it was Claire Danes, it was Romeo and Juliet's story, but they were wheeling guns. And it was like this weird kind of um, modernization of the, the classic play, right? But what's so right. interesting about the movie, right? Just talking quickly about it, right? Because I saw it like years after on local TV. And I don't know how they got away with it, but I had to give credit where credit is due. They kept the original dialogue in it, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just talking sure, pure, like Shakespeare, you know? And the first time so I saw it, I was like, wait, man. And people still found that movie. I hated it. Like, people yeah. still love this movie, but it's like, all they understand what he's saying in this. That's a total, like, um, that's a total, like, Pasolini move now. Because yeah. it was like, you know, like, okay, so Pasolini, he still, he, he did have the gospel according to St. Matthew, which is what, still the best Jesus movie ever, in my opinion. Don't at me. And what was so special about that film is that everything was in scripture. He didn't write anything. 
That yes, was written yes. new, new dialogue. Yes, everything was according to scripture. That's how they, they did it. And I, I remember when that film came out, I was like, oh yeah, that was like a big deal. And I remember thinking back at it, you know, there's no in film now. I'm like, oh yeah, right. That's where they kind of did it in that 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 film history stuff now. I don't know any other movies that do that. Like this whole borrowing from the direct text and not writing new text and then making it work. Um, I, I think probably like um, Coriolanus did that, maybe. Um, that's the only thing I could think of. Okay. Um, I don't. Uh, not familiar with, with that um, show. That um, refines. Refines played like is another another Shakespeare story. Came out two thousand when recent. I don't look it up. I, I, sh- I should look it up. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so when you hear Romeo must die, of course, instantly you're thinking, oh, oh shit, this is a Romeo and Juliet story. And then when you right. saw the trailers, you saw Jet Li and Aaliyah, you take it, okay, it's black right. against Chinese, and right. so you had the two that in the middle, and in love, and all that kind of stuff. Because only right. when you actually see the show, it's like, well, it's kind of loosely inspired by it, but it's not like a direct remake of Romeo and Juliet, which right. works because at least they're not trying to do the Baz Luhrmann thing again. But the same right. time, I know it was kind of underwhelming because, like, well, you kind of look like look at the title. I mean, come on, look at the title, right? But um, but anyway, but one last thing I just want to mention before we get to the to the um, show itself is well, you know, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the music itself that that supported this film, um, you know, this was in the late well from the from ninety nine to two thousand, so this yeah. was where you know um, like Rough Riders were you know on top. Yeah. You know I mean, so artists like DMX, you know, producers like Swiss Beats, you know, Deluxe, you know, Jada Kiss, Chic Luke, um, Styles P, they were on top. You know, I mean, their music were big, right? Yeah, and then also. With the producer um, Timberland, well, him and you know, co-producer slash singer slash rapper slash awesome woman all together, Missy Elliott, right? And how yeah. their music pretty much shaped, you know, the the last few years of the nineties, right? Of course, they did music for star movies like Doctor Doolittle. If you remember, yeah. Are You That Somebody, which is performed by Aaliyah, you could not escape that song. That boom yep. boom 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 yeah. boom. That was in your that was in your your brain like circulated for like 24 hours straight you could not escape that so yeah you know i mean hip-hop was at all was you know the the evolution of hip-hop was you know was right was quite fascinating right there you know and out of that we got you know the the r&b songs just earlier right so it's like yeah it's like this could work you know i mean people gonna see jet lee actually you know um lead a film and we're gonna have Aaliyah in her um debut um feature so yeah, cool. We had to see this, and DMX is in it, right? Which right. we'll talk about in a bit, right? And um, last thing I just want to say about Aaliyah before we actually get to the show is that, um, well, you know, the unfortunate side of things though is that this would be the first of the only two films that she ever worked on. Um, the yeah. second one was the very, very, very underwhelming Queen of the Damned, which I remember right. like seeing in theaters. And quick story about it. I remember having like, uh, well, you know, like back in the days, I used to rock like um, this man. I used to have a this man. So I remember coming in there with, with this man, like, you know, I was normally walking in when I'm going out now. And I say, okay, if this show is shit, I'm going to just put on my headphones and just listen to music. After like the first 10 minutes of the movie, I realized, yeah, this movie can't be shit. I was just listening to music throughout the entirety of the show. I could not get into <laughs> that. Yeah, I remember being so underwhelmed by this movie. And this is because... Right. This was like the direct sequel to um, Interview with the Vampire, right? So I was yes, like, okay, yes. we do the Lestat thing again. All right, cool. But I hate the actor that he got to play Lestat, um, who was, let me see quickly, 
who was uh, Stuart Townsend. Terrible choice. Um, Aliyah was this kind of weird, you know, Egyptian vampire, and she did she did all this kind of um, belly dancing kind of movements. And right. like, I get what you're trying to go for. Like, she's trying to be all like seductive and stuff, but right. it was just a, a slog. It was just a downright waste of time, though. But what I say all this too is because this came out a year after. Well, you know, unfortunately, her, you know, unfortunately, demise though. You know what I mean? Yeah. After she did the video for Rock the Boat and, you know, um, the plane that she was in, which I'll bring up in this review here, you know, um, you know, crashed her, basically, and she died. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, um, well, it, the thing is, it's one of those cases where, you, you, to me, it was just the movie clearly wasn't finished. <laughs> that is why it was, because she died. Yeah. So they, they, had to, so they had to shoot what, what they had. And that is, that is why they really come down too hard on the film. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the movie sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, it sucked. Anyway, so let's get let's finally get into Romeo Must Die, right? So um, we're not gonna go through every every single thing about the movie, but just because we haven't seen this show in in, in a long while. I mean, this is like what twenty years since it came out, and yes, we have. Well, in my case, I have seen it a, a couple times, like on you know on cable. But uh, I think TNT, like it's, if TNT still exists, <laughs> used to show it like a lot. But um, other than that, I haven't seen that movie this movie the low well right so one thing right. i dug just right off the bat is the intro i actually do like the intro text sequence i, I think it's dope you know you see the the chinese text you know um superimposed and you see the the um interpretation show up and all that kind of stuff i thought that was like really right. dope man. and then you have um you have yeah you, you got this really dope dmx song to kind of set the tone and it was really cool it was really cool right um so from here we we are introduced to um well, we just kind of go into this casino, right? And we introduce his character, Poe, right? And from here, we know that he's just kind of cocky, you know, um, eat, well, Chinese, you know, gangster type, basically, right? And then we have another guy named Kai who is there, uh, who is played by Russell, Ro- uh, Russell Wong, sorry. Um, and, you know, right. he just, they're like, you know, like, you know, watch yourself now, you know me, because he ends up picking a fight. Well, about to pick a fight with this black guy who works at the, the casino now. And, you know, it's it true, corny, like, this is, like, one of the kind of cheesy moments in the film where characters try to sound larger life now. So the guy coming in and saying, Amazing Grace. Excuse me? My grandmother used to sing that song to me. That's real nice. I especially like the part that goes, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Take you, Francis. You have got to be a fool to roll up in here, man. But I figure, you must be lost. <laughs> it's that kind of vibe, like, dog, like, just chill, though. like, just take it easy, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, um, Kai ends up picking up fight with the guy, a little fight scene takes place. I'll never forget this, eh? so, like, when you see the trailer for it, and then you saw the, the, the music video for Try Again, you all show this one shot, and this is where Kai goes in the air, right? Literally spins, kicks that guy, and then spins around, still in mid-air, and kicks another guy down. I never right. forget, like, the first time you see it, it's like, wait, it's real bad. And then when you think about it, it's like, but clearly he's really? falling onto something, though, but we don't see right. what it is. Okay, his hands are out of the shot, man, but it's how it looked, man, I mean. So, yes, it's wire work that they're using there, but still, we, we, we never really stopped to, to ask, how did he do this, right? And that's one gripe I have with the fight choreography in this, well, the wire work in this. You know, characters do stuff, they spin around the air, but you don't really know how or why, right? But anyway, so yeah. fight takes place. Everybody pull out guns. And then, you know, we boy DMX comes in. 
and he gives probably the best speech in the whole movie with guns don't kill people people kill people for example these two guys with the machine guns if they start blasting off ain't none of y'all going home now you guys are disturbing my business so if your ass ain't black you better get up out of here before it really get hot I remember seeing that for the first time. I was like, what the? This <laughs> It was DMX and, you know, it was, you know, the roughness that we know about him now, you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. I just always remember that 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 scene, though. Like, now when you look right. at it, it's, it's kind of corny. But, oh my gosh, it's just setting up this character. It's like, yeah, this man, real dread, right? So, yeah. cut to, like, you know, outside now and, you know, um, Kai chastising Poe's like, oh, well, you know, why, you know, your dad won't like you doing this. And, like, you know, I, 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 I next up, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'll be talking to me like this. So, anyway, yeah. cut to the next scene and Poe is found hung. Actually, like, somebody just straight up hanged this guy, like, lynch him, basically, yeah. right? Which is really, really fucked up when they think about it. But, you know, when you think about the whole black and Chinese, uh, well, black and Asian, you know, um, contrast basically it's it's kind of interesting that they would do that you know what i mean but anyway so from there now we are introduced to the character of isaac who is played by delroy lindo um yeah i don't know whatever happened to that guy i know he has started in other films but i don't know that man just like disappeared like where is he right so he did well he did a, a movie another movie jet leaf which was pretty badass in my opinion uh Remember um, the multiverse movie? Oh yes, the you like the one? The one, yeah. I like that movie. It's very silly, but it, I liked it. It's because of the silliness that held held it back. One, it was clearly because yes. Um, for those who don't know, Jet Li was signed up to. Well, he he, he was considered to be in the Matrix. Um, oh. Well, the Matrix uh, reloaded uh, actually. And, you know, he refused. You know, he refused to be Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But point yeah. is, the one was like this Matrix ripoff, because he, he said yeah. he went gently with all these Matrix-like powers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was just so silly. And it had yeah. one of my favorite lines from Gently, which is, I am nobody's bitch. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, 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 remember, I, I remember when I thought I it, the movies are better, but I had fun with it. I remember the big selling movie was Jet Li versus Jet Li because yes, you had yeah. good Jet Li fighting. Yeah, but Jet Li. Was... It's, it's a long story, but right, <laughs> it was silly. It was really, really silly. It's, it's one of those like so I, bad I, I, kind of movies. I find you can you can remake that ego way or something. Yeah, that that show definitely needs a remake. It, it definitely does. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um, right. So Delroy Lindo plays Isaac. Um, and be, be, he be, essentially he's this businessman who is involved in this deal with these, right. well, they come off as Jewish, although they look white, in my opinion, however. Um, essentially, they're trying to buy out these properties at this waterfront to build a, a stadium, basically, right? So he's involved in that. And he had a shady past, so he's just trying to be all legit with, 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 his, uh, with this, you know, venture. Um, yeah. Assisting him, we have Mac, who is played by... Another guy who I haven't seen in a long while, um, Isaiah Wash- uh, Washington. Um, right. Essentially, he's like the the not so much the inf- he's not so much the enforcer, but he's just the guy who does jobs for 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 for, um, for Isaac. Then yeah, essentially, he's that he wouldn't hesitate to pull out a gun, he wouldn't hesitate to kill a guy if it comes to that, right? But yeah, yeah. 
I think um so so I haven't seen Isaiah Washington since Grey's Anatomy. Because he we got kicked off for that show. Oh yeah, he was uh, in that right. I think he was okay, he's in a show and I would look into he was in a show that I didn't um and I never watched my hair to okay, he was in the one hundred. Oh yeah, apparently. oh yeah, yeah. I was I was supposed I was meaning to, to watch that actually. And I'm going to it, yeah. Okay. Alright, so anyway, so Isaac gets a call, he finds out that um that Pooh got killed, so he meets right. he eventually meets with um uh, with Chu. Um Chu Singh, basically, right? That's the the main, you know, gang guy, right? He's played by Henry O. Um yeah. who I know I saw in other shows, but you know, they escape me right now. Right. So you could tell that Chu kinda suspicious of Isaac. He think that Isaac do it, you know what I mean? But it was like, well, cool. Um you say you're gonna try to find the guy who killed my son? Alright, cool. No problem, right? And while all this is going on, you're there like, all right, but when gently coming into this show, <laughs> and then we finally cut to Hong Kong, and you know, it's this, I know it's a, it's a late '90s to 2000 thing, Jen, but it's it's always kind of well, sometimes every time, well, especially they do it to the show, and it was kind, it was really dumb. How every time they have they go to to um, China, they have a scene in China, they always cut to this generic, you know, Chinese music. Almost yeah, like yeah. they have to read a spell and tell you, it, it, hey, it, we're it, in Hong it, Kong. Let's have yeah. Chinese music play. Yeah, is, is the Chinese or Hong Kong equivalent of, of accordion music for France? Oh, yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, you know, we have to set the tone, so let's play yeah. some generic Asian music because fuck you, that's why. <laughs> but yeah, um, so Jet Li basically is a prisoner at this uh, Hong Kong prison. Um, and what we learn basically is that he was a cop and he is actually the son of Chu, right? And yes, the brother of, well, I assume the younger brother of Po. So while in jail, this new prisoner comes in and while they are the, cap- uh, the cafeteria, basically, he whispers in Jet Li's ear. Well, Jet Li plays Han, by the way, as only later on we find out his name is Han, right? So he whispers in his ear, Jet Li flips out and starts, picks his fight in the cafeteria. You know, the guards come, beat him down, throw him in solitary. And then this really cool scene, you know, he fights the guards there. And then we get the first of a few X-ray scenes. Right. Which uh, I know right. I saw in other shows before, but in this one it was kind of cool because they gave it this sort of 3D X-ray kind of thing. So it's like, yeah. okay, I, see the guy arm get Personally, I thought this was really goddamn awesome. So, you know, you get the thing at the time. Total yeah, dumb gimmick. Yeah, yeah. It, it's dumb now when you think about it. It's really yeah. dumb. But when you're, like, when you're watching back then, it's like, what? Yeah, <laughs> you get extra vision and shit? Okay. Yeah. So that was cool. That was cool then. Um, but what Doug though was how he was able to, well, leave the prison, right? He knocks out a guard. He changes. He puts on the guy's um, uniform. He exits. There's this guy who asks him to, to you know... Um, about some back to some guy and then that, but I always remember there's this one shot where this um, where this guard realizes that Jet Li escaped and you see him running in slow mo, and then he just reaches, he just touches the um, the alarm. Now. I remember that from the the trailer itself, like they just emphasize that scene so much. And it's still a really like well shot scene in my opinion, right? So Jet Li escapes, and I could tell yes he's going to come to America because of course this is this is what we expect, right? And then when you think it, oh where's Ali and all of this? Then Aaliyah shows up, right? And they, she, she's uh, working at this clothing store, which also they're selling tarts, and they have a DJ there, and some kids dancing, and they're like, all right, what kind of clothing store is this? 
But anyway, but you know, Ali is there, you know what I mean? Uh, and just right off the bat, you know what I mean? She is just quite, she just have such, you know, screen presence, you know what I mean? And she is really charming in this movie as well. So like, what you see is just this magnetic charm that she has. Uh, also, you know, this was a, a person who I've, uh, like the first time I've ever seen this actor in a film, and won't be the last, of course, uh, Anthony Anderson, you know, who plays Maurice. Yeah. This is the first time I ever saw him in a movie now, you know what I mean? And yes, he is the goofball character. He he works for Isaac, so, you know, basically Isaac wants to make sure that um, she is, you know, taken care of, that she's safe, that nobody's trying to um, attack her because, you know, of what happened with Pona. And then a little later on that um, he also, well, you know, he also has a son, right? Whose name is Colin, right? And essentially, right. he just, how do I describe him? Like, he wants to be his own man, but at the same time, he helps his dad out with the stuff, though, with the kind of legal stuff that's going on. Though. But he's always kind of feeling pissed off because he, he he finds like he's being treated like a child, and that that's a thing in the movie, right? So, Lee, so Jet Lee, or I should say Han, finally arrives to America. And then right. they get this weird shot that I don't remember the first time seeing it, right? But it's essentially with him come on walking outside of the airport, right? And it's this kind of MTV style music video kind of shit going on. Because he's walking in slow mo and you see like everybody just moving in normal speed there. Right. And they make it look real dramatic and shit there. Like, no, this this look bad. This look really bad. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, that, that was something that the early 2000s could not let up during. You see, that nonsense, everything looking like a music video. Yeah. Music video <laughs> And then, yeah, and, and I, I think around that time, that is when a lot of like music video directors was kind of transferring into films. Um, right, right, correct. Um, yeah, you're right. Like when um, you know, like Hype Williams, you know, Hype Williams, um, right, yeah. like Belly, and you know, when Benny Boom, who by the way has shot episodes of um, of you know um, CW's Black Lightning at ours. Right. I always forget that, but yeah, you know. Um, but it, so yeah, but it was it was kind of across the board. I mean, directors that we consider these these master works now they used to do music videos in the nineties. Um, you know, we boy Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even David Fincher and all too. Yeah. Right. Not so funny. yeah, so uh, right, so that that shot this was kind of weird, but anyway, right? And then we cut to this scene where um, Aliyah is at this sort of like a music slash movie store. You know, basically, and then we hear one of the big singles from the soundtrack called "Back in One Piece," right? And right. still a dope song, eh? but I always like the first time I ever heard this song, right? Was in this movie, um, because I never saw the video till like after the fact, right? And I always, I always, it always, it stood like back then. It kind of stood out like um, how it starts with the MXC. You know what a dog need? A dog needs a bitch, not just any bitch. <laughs> And you're thinking, okay, is this kind of like real rough to go into with a song featured Aliyah? But then again, it's the era and it's the music too, so it kind of works, right? Um, but yeah, it was it was a it was just a moment to just slip in the song, basically, not really much going on. Um, Maurice embarrasses embarrasses himself, and there's this one shot though, and like I had to pause. I was like, wait, no, like clearly they didn't really realize how ironic this is, right? So. There's a shot basically where Leah exits the um the, the store and right behind her you see a poster of R. Kelly's album R. Okay. And I was like nobody saw the irony in all of this, sis. <laughs> that's, that's, the that, that's the time. That's the time. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, it's just like, you know, we, we just had to let people know, 
you know, she was the you know the the, the understory, the um the muse basically of Mr. R. Kelly, right? But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so while all this is going on, you know, Jet Li um runs into this Indian um taxi driver, is like, you know what I need to get me in this dress. It's like, don't um, don't do do you understand English? I'm off duty. It's like, alright, well fuck you then. So I just gotta hot why your 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 car. So he's inside the car doing his stuff, and then Aliyah jumps into the back and is like, you know, please just leave the. And then he says, um, I'm off duty. You know, he's like, yo, please drive. You know, you know, that kind of stuff. And then they have this moment once again where we had to kind of let people know who Aliyah is. Where, <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so by the way, her name is Trisha in this movie, right? Or Trish for short. Where Maurice comes out and says, I'm going to find you, Aliyah looking ass. I know where you work at. And I was like, oh, Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Like, come on, like, come on. Like, you know, let's stop the show to tell us it's Aliyah. We know, we know who it is, right? It's a vanity project, let's admit that. Yeah, it is, it is. It's a vanity project, right? Yeah, so, um, of course, Lee can't, you know what I mean? Lee just decides to drive her. Because, I mean, like I say, you know, she had just had that magnetic charm. So, right off the bat, you see how, well, he's not, like, enamored by her. But it's just like, oh, you know what I mean? He, he, he's, he's, he's whelmed by her, not overwhelmed, but... But you're just whelmed by her, right? Not surprised, right? So you can tell that, you know, there's a little something going on. There's a little spark and it's kind of cute and whatnot, right? Following scene now um, is this restaurant scene, basically. And we have, uh, well, Trish is there. Um, and then Mac shows up. And then we learn that, well, Mac basically tried to hit on her. And there was this line, Jen. And I know at the time they didn't really think about it. I'm not saying it's a terrible line, though. But the irony behind that line, though, is really poignant and really kind of shocking. Well, it's really kind of incredible when you think about it. So while he's, you know, using all these pickup lines now because he realized that, you know, she just don't, that giving him any, any time now. So it's like, uh, you don't have a clue to what I'm about, do you? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? Well, for starters, you got to just get past the facade. Facade? Well, you've got some serious facade going on there. Oh, well, so do you. So does everybody. And this miss, I don't need nobody, isn't you? <laughs> Not the real you. You saved yourself a Kobe Bryant or some TV dream dude. And then when I hear that, I was like, wow. <laughs> you know? Like, think about how both of them died, both Aaliyah and Kobe. They're like, wow. Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, that kind of just, you know, the, the whole show that just come to a complete halt there. But it's like, no, you know what I mean? At the time, it's like, you know, it was neither here nor there, you know what I mean? But yeah, just the irony behind that line was like, wow, boy. But anyway, but right all, right in the scene alone, though, you could tell that, yes, he does like her, but he can get aggressive when he's ready. You know, he does kind of threaten her at a point in time, you know what I mean? But she still brushes brushes him off now, you know what I mean? So right there, it's like, okay, I don't really like this Mac guy, you know? Like, at first, we didn't really like him, but now I really, really don't like him because he was threatening to do some some bad stuff to, to Igil earlier, right? So following yeah. scene is... Admittedly, a fun scene, and it was fun when I saw it the first time. Today, it is still fun, but yeah, this easily could have been cut out because it doesn't really add much to the show. Uh, the football scene. Right. Yeah, this is where uh, Han, you know, meets with Trish, and, you know, Trish loved them kids, there, so all them kids like, oh, you know, he's cool, and, you know, let's get some ice creams and all that good shit, right? And then Mac is there, Mac and Maurice, and their goons there just playing football. And they're like, hey, you know, let's go play some football. And he like, well, Han don't really know how to play the game, because, you know, he's, he's, he's Chinese. So he's like, whatever. And they, you know, of course, they're taking advantage of him. They're giving him the ball and just, you know, running him down and all that kind of stuff, tackling him down, basically. 
then he realized, oh, okay, that's all the plane. All right, cool. So let me do some wushu stuff. Let me flip in the air. Let me actually do the spinning around in the air when we know you're on wires and it looks kind of weird. You know what I mean? And of yeah. course, <laughs> uh, you know, Trish is loving all this. She's all amazed by all that kind of stuff. I like um, the last line where he says, um, Hey, brother, American football. But still, right. admittedly, I don't know about you, but this, this scene easily could have been cut out though. It was just there to just kind of be like, hey, Jelly's cool and he could do cool shit, but it's like, you could do it with a much more this uh, is, okay, so it, it, Hollywood, yeah, two thousands and nineties movies always have these these this. I don't know why it is. It's like a kind of slow down humanizing, quote unquote humanizing moment, but yeah. terrible. At the same time, <laughs> just think of just think of the black the basketball scene from Catwoman. That shit. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, you remember like when um when in Daredevil where they had a scene with with um both Daredevil and Electro like dancing but battling each other in the playground. That bullshit. Same thing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. You had to have that kind of cool moment to be like, oh, they could be right. cool and that kind of vibe. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, right. Um, so the following scene, right, and I forgot to mention earlier on, this movie has a lot of glass being broken, a lot of characters being smashed through glass. Because <laughs> the next scene here, you have Colin, right, he in the little penthouse, you know, in penthouse suite, smoking weed with the, with the, with the girl and whatnot. And he's all, he all like, you know, my daddy don't like me, and, you know, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, right? And then somebody rings the doorbell, um, girlfriend answers, and the following shot is just basically Colin and the girlfriend being thrown through adjoining windows. And you see them fall down the building into, well, the, the, the well, into, into the ocean, basically, right? So they're dead. But, um... And while it is still a very impactful scene then, because especially of how sudden it, it just happens, once again, it's just people being thrown through glass. Like, I don't know if it's just a thing, like an action movie thing in the 90s, but that's what yeah. it is, right? So, yeah, next... like... what? No, it's just a Yeah, 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 basically, right? So, next shot, of course, you know, um, the, the police fish out the bodies. Um, Isaac and Maka there. Isaac is, you know, pissed off, you know, he, he's sad. Mark is like, all right, I'll, I'll help you find whoever do it, blah, blah, blah. Aaliyah comes in, she's crying, she blames her dad, because, you know, she knows her dad's into some nefarious illegal stuff. Though. So it's like, well, you know, Colin was in the middle, so he paid, basically, for your for your bullshit, right? Next scene, basically, Jet Li goes into um, Poe's apartment, right? Well, he well earlier on, he went there to kind of find out what was going on, right? Um, and then from there, he finds... Uh, well, later on, I should say, he finds a paper, a slip of paper with these addresses. Then. And then we learn there's all these, like, waterfront addresses and stuff like that, right? But yeah, yeah he yeah. goes into the apartment. It's all smashed up and whatnot. And then he sees Aaliyah on this couch, I believe it is, crying. And then, well, t- well, she talks about, well, you know, Colin's gone. Because this is not, this is the way, this is now um, Han learning about what went on. Like, he didn't know that Colin was killed, but now he finds out, right? So this is how Jet Li pretty much gets involved in Aaliyah's dilemma, right? So following scene now, um, Jet, well, I, I, I keep calling him Jet um, Han, you know, he goes into one, well, he, he visits one of the addresses. It turns out to be this warehouse kind of place, but it's owned by a guy who is part of this, basically the family that, um, that you know, his dad is working for. I forgot to mention too, there was actually a really great scene where they had Poe's funeral and Jet Li shows up dressed in white, you know what I mean? 
Um, I thought that that scene alone was was really great though, like just uh, from a dramatic perspective. Uh, him yeah. talking to his dad is also a scene with him talk to Kai, and they have a little sparring session afterwards just to show off. Oh, I'm fast. I'm still fast. I haven't lost my touch. That kind of vibe. Though. So those scenes yeah. with, with Jet were great in my opinion, right? But yeah. So he goes into this warehouse place. Everybody's killed. Everybody's on the ground dead. And then you just see these two bikers and they, well, about to, you know, shoot at him and, um, and Trish. So they jump in the car, they escape. So you have a, like a nice little, you know, uh, basically little 2000s um, motorbike slash car scene going on. It's pretty cool. Right. Then afterwards they stop. One of the bikers, you know, um, takes off the, the helmet. And then you, revi- uh, you realize not just it's a woman, but it's a Chinese woman. And you get this kind of cringy line. You're Chinese. No shit. You know what I mean? And then they have a little fight scene there. And you kind of saw it coming, but it was in the trailer for it too, so I know it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Jet Li's like, I can hit a girl. I don't know how it is in China, but in America, for girls kicking your ass, you do not have to be a gentleman. So basically, Jet Li kind of holds Ali and spins she around, right round, baby, right round. Um, you know, we that using her basically to 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 fight this um, this woman, and then it ends with her falling back on like a sharpened piece of um of uh, steel, and then they get the X review again because yeah, it just went right through her spine basically. I know it's all fun and games, huh? because yeah, the 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 fight itself is kind of fun, you know. Until she falls what? back, and then Ali is like, "Oh no!" And then she just like leans over towards Jet. It's like, "Ah, uh, you know." It's an incredibly silly scene. Yeah, but you're right. It, it's silly, and then goes dark really fast. Like, <laughs> right? Uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. So afterwards, we get basically like the bad guys doing bad shit montage. So you have so just in case it wasn't sure what going on. There. So you have Mac basically going up to what he he he, he his uh, his friends who. Basically, like, you know, um, catching crabs and stuff like that. He checked him at gunpoint. He's like, yo, if you don't sell me, blah, blah, blah. If you don't sell me your your, your business, we're going to come for you, blah, blah, blah. Right? It's like, oh, shit. You know, this man real root Lester. And then afterwards, you see Kai basically going to these Chinese guys who own this boat and, you know, shooting them, gunning them down, basically. And then you basically, then afterwards, sorry, you see um, you see his dad, basically. Well, you see Chu, basically, being a badass as well to have these two guys in this uh, freezer, basically. Well, this meat freezer, basically, you know, talk about, oh, well, you know me, the rest of the family wouldn't miss you. But you see, I'll be the only member left. Ha, 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 ha. You know what I mean? Yeah. think that missing is just the, the mustache. You no, know, he wasn't too that. But basically, it's just to show that, yeah, these three motherfuckers are, are evil when they're in, right? So, we have some later stuff afterwards where um, Isaac, you know what I mean, being more concerned for, being really concerned for Trish, you know what I mean, that he takes her back to his old home and, you know what I mean, you see her, her old bedroom and he, he has a nice little father-daughter talk and all that kind of stuff. And then from yeah. that moment, you see Jet jumps in. I know, like, in retrospect, when you think about it, like, this would have been the oh, Romeo, Romeo, where for adult Romeo moment. So instead of Romeo being outside, he sneaks in and it's just, you know, have them talking while they're trying to, you know, keep trying not to, you know, arouse any attention. So that's yeah. kind of, like, I just really get into it a little too much, but that would have been the moment if they had kind of played out a little bit, you know, better, in my opinion. But it was kind of interesting to see that 
dynamic play out, right? So from there now, we go back to, to the casino. We see, um, well, Han and Trish go there. There's a nice little scene with the two of them dancing. It's like, oh, that's, that's, that's cute. Oh, like, gently, like, you know, just getting into it and all that kind of stuff. And the, um, and the song that they played is, Are You Feeling Me? So, of course, she had to lip sync the song while she's yeah. dancing with Jet. And I don't know about you, but I just find that was just, like, such a nice, like, just a cute scene, like, some so innocent, like, oh, it's, it's 90s, it's 90s cheese, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is 90s cheese. Admittedly, it's 90s cheese, right? And then um, DMX is watching, you know, basically zeroed in on Han, sorry, on Trish, right? Through the security yeah. cameras, right? So he calls him up and he talking, basically talking about how, uh, you know, Isaac wanted to buy over the casino. Sorry, Mac was threatening him to buy over the, uh, buy over the casino because of the whole waterfront stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then, well, you know, surprise, surprise, you know, Mac shows up with Maurice and, you know, they, they threatened them with guns and all that kind of stuff. And then, well, you know, DMX being all badass, like, I ain't selling shit. And the man just collect like two shots and die. Yeah, no. So that's the stop here. Um, the funny thing is that the first time I saw this movie, I it, it never dawned on me how little of DMX we got in the movie. Yeah? But it's yeah, only yeah. like after the fact, it's like, wow, like, you were, you were clearly wasted in this movie, Dre. Like, you could, they could have cast anybody else to be in this movie, but it's just, I'm DMX, and I want to be an actor. I, I did better, right. you know what I'm saying? No, I want to be in the next movie, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like, you want to do that shit, though. But, like, give him more to do there. Like, he's literally in two scenes in the movie. Two scenes. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Like, but, you know, once again, the way how they market it. Like, I don't yep. DMX was front and center, but still. TMX is in your movie, like he was the guy there. Yeah, that, that was the hype. It was like a big, that was a big box and pull. You know, it's like, you know, how, yeah, I did the movie, you're right. But is in my head, that is what the pull was for me. It's like, dog, DMX and Jatina movie together. That's like. Yeah, you're, you're right. So that's why I'm that's, glad we have something like Creel to the Grave, where we have right. the four of, of, of DMX. And of course, what? that shot with him on the ATV, just that X gonna give it to you. Yeah. Um, sequence is just fucking awesome. I love love that sequence so much. Huh? But back to right. So DMX is dead. Uh, DMX, right. So DMX is dead. And Trish is captured. Well, kidnapped basically. Right. Jet Li's knocked out. And the well, he wakes up. He's at this place. Uh, Maurice trying to be all intimidated and shit. And then DMX is basically like, "Let me go, or so I'll kill you." Trent. And by like real laughing at him, you know, call him. Uh, we call it dim sum and all that kind of stuff. Just try right, like right. one or two, you know, well, not racial slurs, but just these, you know, Asian caricature, uh, cliche kind of stuff, there, right? Yeah. And then we get a uh, really decent enough fight scene. Although with, some, with a guy like, say, Jackie Chan, he would have he would actually done it a lot better. Where essentially they do the whole thing where he uses what props is uh, available, sorry. So in this case, there's a fire hose. So I'm gonna take this fire hose. I'm gonna flip it around my 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 uh, my chest and my waist and my leg, and I'm gonna beat you guys with the fire hose. And it looks cool, but admittedly, somebody like uh, Jackie Chan would have made that way more kick-ass, in my opinion. And then afterwards, well, um, you know, he goes after Maurice, and then well, they both basically. <laughs> crash your window and you know basically Jet Li's holding on to Maurice's um, tie and then he somehow flips him over and Maurice uh, falls onto the top of a car and that's like the last we see of him he just says 
Maurice, bitch. And that was it, right? That's right. the last time you see of him. Now we have the deal, uh, the, the big... Uh, the big stadium deal, basically. So Isaac is there, Mac is there. Uh, and then, well, you know, things go awry. We realize that, uh, that you know, Mac was kind of just, well, he, he just don't like the fact that, you know, he just don't, he just can't support the fact that uh, that Isaac is going legit. So one thing leads to the next is a little scuffle. Uh, Isaac gets shot. Uh, and then, well, you know, he tries to escape with money and, you know, just a bunch of legal documents. So the guy who set up the whole deal, he tries to escape via helicopter. And um, you have, well, Mac basically on top of the roof shooting at the helicopter. And then from there, now, um, Jet Li shows up. Had is still under the impression that Mac was the one who killed Poe, right? Who killed his brother. Right, right. And that's when Mac says, nah, that, that Chinese hit was all in-house, bro. And then he aims the gun at Jet, and that's when he says, Sorry, Romeo, but you gotta die. And I right. never forgot the first time I heard that. I was like, oh, like, young me was like, oh, that's why it's called Romeo must die. Because <laughs> yeah. the hero isn't called Romeo, so what's the point, right? What's the point of that of that line? But, you know, so the artifact is like, you know, I wonder now if they just could come with a title for the movie and just thought the whole Romeo and die thing was cool. Because, yes, admittedly, Romeo must die is a very, very, very dope title. Let eh? me get out of the way. It's a very dope title but, but i don't know i just think it like they just came up with it like in the middle of writing these scripts like what 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 to call this right okay how about romeo must die ah ta-da. let's have a character say that so we don't get confused you know what i mean right so as he was about to to, to, to fire at hard you know uh mac collects some shots to the back and then you realize oh shit it's Aaliyah because Aaliyah took up this gun, you know, during the scuffle with uh, involving the dad and back, right? It's like, word, okay, you know what I mean? And then in true, you know, action movie formula, he falls to the edge and then leads over and falls. Ah, that's it, right? He doesn't scream, of course, but he says one line. Damn. That's some cold shit. And then he falls and dies, right? And then the following scene basically is, well, uh, had going up against Kai because, yeah, yeah, we kind of realize that, uh, Kai was the one behind the scenes, right? So, yeah, basically, he just kind of killed Poe because of this whole power struggle shit, basically. It's not really quite explained, but, you know, it kind of tell us all generic stuff anyway, right? So, you have this cool fight scene going on. I do like the fact that, I do like the moment where uh, the place that they were fighting in, the uh, Shasidi Arena, catches fire. So, you have this fiery background. You have this nice shot where Jet Li kind of walks out of the fire in slow-mo, real badass and stuff like that. They do the wildwood yeah. stuff where you see them in the air and spin around and stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't know, like, I could let that slide because they're both great at, in terms of just doing this fight choreography. And it works. It, it actually is a really effective, you know, uh, and climactic uh, fight scene, you know what I mean? Because they need that. So to me, the scene works, right? And I like how it ends where basically uh, Kai gets a blow to the head, like a kick to the head. And that just yeah. goes down all the way down his spine. I see it. the extra vision of it. I'm like, but is he, is he big? Is he shot? Yeah. Because that was, the, that was the big shot in the trailer. The yeah. two of them. Right. When but I just, just think... jump up, like, um, about to jump in the air, like a jump kick to the air. Uh, uh, right. But then, but then it, when he, he kicked down his leg and then hit the big top of his head and then it just breaks you. Like, God damn. That was awesome. Yeah, that was that was that was that was brutal. I'll give it that. That was really really brutal, right? So yeah. Uh, so Kai is dead. Uh, he well he goes to his dad now, and well the dad well he, there's a gun in front of his uh, in front of him at, at this table, 
and you're thinking, oh, well, you know, um, Chu is going to kill his own son because, you know, what went down, all that kind of stuff. And, well, right. what happens is that, and I, do, I don't remember it like line for line, but I like where Han basically says, well, you know, I'll let fate decide what happens to you, you know what I mean? Because you just basically allowed your son to get killed, you know what I mean? And it was all business for you. And, well, Jet walks away, they do the typical thing where the camera's on him, there's a gunshot, he stops, and they take it, oh, Jet got hit. It's like, no, actually, the father just shot himself, and that's it, right? Yep. And, well, yep. last scene, basically, where, where we finally hear try again, is where the police come, and you see, uh, right. well, Jetty comes out, he's all battered and stuff like that, you see Aliyah comes in, hugs him, and they're like, you know, let's go. And then the song plays, and yep. that's the end of the movie in a nutshell. So, for me, though, just, just to wrap up, you know, Romeo was die. Um, this is, as far as, in, in terms of, like, Jetty's filmography, um, this is a fairly decent film. I would say yeah. it's one of his best films, like, say, you know, Hero, which is probably, yeah, like, no. up there. Like, I love Hero so much, right? Or uh, Fist of Legend, or, you know, Twin Warriors, a.k.a. Tai Chi. Like, it's not yeah. up there, you know what I mean? It's more... Billy Road kind of thing, like, you know, it's, it's one of those shows basically you can watch on a Saturday night when you have nothing to do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if it's on TNT or whatever station, you can just check it out. Um, <clears throat> it's no masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. It's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination, because, yeah, as far as, you know, actual movies go, it is quite basic. It's quite generic. It doesn't do much as far as, you know, action movies go. The only sell basically is just well, we're going to see Jet Li kick ass, and well, we have yep. a love interest, right? Uh, yep. I remember, I thought you would actually see like a relationship bloomed basically between you right. know Aliyah and, uh, and Jet Li. And to me, that still is a drawback to the movie because remember, you're taking Romeo, you know, you're taking Aliyah, love right. song. So it, I, I'm not expecting that they would go to bed together or, or sleep together or something like that, but still, let's have that sort of romantic vibe going on, right? Right. But they had a little something enough, enough, enough just to, you know, put that in the brains of people. But, uh, yeah, they could have done a little more with that. Yeah, uh, but, but uh, I, I don't know, maybe to do that, you would have to delve a little bit deep into, well, Romeo and Juliet itself, the story itself. Right. And I, I, I yeah. am glad that they did not go for, okay, we're going to recreate Romeo and Juliet. We're going to have the two characters kill themselves in the end and let them be right, right. literally lovers in the family's fight. Like, I'm glad they didn't do that because, like I say, we had, you know, Baz Luhrmann's movie four years ago, right? But I do give credit where credit is due. I like how they develop the, the family dynamics between, between you know, Jet Li's and Aaliyah's families. There's moments involving their family members, how they talk with each other, how they deal with the situation with, their, with one of the family members being killed. I really do like the moments where, you know, it kind of slows down, you know, to have that family dynamic go on, right? For some people, they might find it drags because of that, but I do like those moments. Um, as far as the action scenes go, yes, they are well well handled and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, they, they, they're basic. You, you kinda, it's kind of like what you expect from early 2000s action filmmaking. Not too mind-blowing, but, you know, it is what it is, right? Um, but still, once again, it's kind of by the numbers, but, you know, if you're going doing that, then, you know, it wouldn't really take you away from the movie that much, and just right. enclose it before I get to read it here. To me, at the end of the day, this still works as, okay, well, this is how 2000s action filmmaking was. This is how, like, if you, if you forgot how big of a deal this movie was, 
when you kind of think about it now, it wasn't really all that big of a deal. But anyway, um, you know, it, it, it still works. You know, what I mean? it, it doesn't hold up as much as all that. But still, it's a nice slice of 2000s, you know, cinema, basically, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you right. like, if you like your standard action movies, you know, we with a with a with a basic enough story, you don't have to think too much about it. Then you'll like it. But if you want something like way more groundbreaking, this is not that movie for you. Uh, I do, I do uh, like you know uh, Ali's performance. I thought that she was great in this. Um, I love the you know the personality she had. You know, and she just gave. She didn't really put her all into it, but she just felt so casual behind the camera. You know, I really dug that. Um, Jet Li was fine as well too. Um, even though I wish there were more moments with the two of them kind of bounced off each other, but you know, he was that stoic badass character. But I didn't like that he had a. He was a softy basically. He was a softy for Ali. And, I mean, who could who could believe, right? Um, I wish there was more. There were more. There was more DMX. I wish that there were a bit more action scenes, you know what I mean? A little bit more impactful action scenes. But for what we got here, I mean, it's fine. Not the greatest show out there, but it's fine. So, rating-wise, I'll give this a lighter, decent tree. It, it's it's eyed for what it is, right? That's yeah. the best Jet Li movie out there. There are other better movies from him, most of which are Hollywood-based. But, you know, in terms of, like, just kind of showcasing what he can do, yeah, it's, it's a nice, like, stepping stone. There. And I, I'm glad that he was able to to do more action films, right? And not just martial arts films that, that we grew up with, but more action films in the 2000s and beyond, right? I mean, yeah. look at Expendables, for example. And, uh, you know, one last thing I just want to say before we get to your rating here. Into, but, you know, I would say, though, because, yeah, for some people, this this is a forgettable movie. But I do think it is significant in terms of, well, African-Americans, you know, um, and their fascination with martial arts. You know what I mean? Right. And Hollywood fascination with martial artists, you know, looking for the next big star. And, you know, here we had Jet Li who had a moment or had a few moments with Lethal Weapon 4, but he didn't have a star in rule. And here we go with this, right? So, you know, you could kind of look at it from that sort of, from that, from a historical perspective, you could say. Um, and then also too with the you know with the the the, the popularity of hip hop music at the time you know we, with Timberland's yeah. music with Aaliyah's music so it's kind of like this this uh this tight capsule of that era basically it all kind of kind of encap- yeah all kind of culminates into this film here so yeah you know we no matter how you look at it you know as a slice of 2000 cinema as oh this is how hip hop sounded back then or this is how big Aaliyah was and DMX and Jet Li. Yeah, this is to me what Romeo Must Die represents. So, uh, what oh, are yeah. your last words and rating on Romeo Must Die? Yeah, yeah, you pretty much you pretty much cover cover everything I would have seen. Um, yeah, it's a total time capsule of a movie. Um, it's just you know just the zeitgeist, how things felt back then. Um, excellent marketing. It's yes, you know, yes, yes. I, I would not lie. The marketing for this was great. No, you could not right. escape. It was you you could escape the trailer, the poster, and of course right. the music. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and what what they did is that they do they, you know they, they do the marketing by repetition. Like one of the things as always, um, I know people just dump on it, but I, I thought it had a pretty solid marketing campaign because it was a classic marketing campaign. Uh Venom, right? Yes, yes. You, you make a music video and you constantly remind people that this movie exists. That's all you have to fucking do. Like don't try to get all stealthy and clever and, and you know fancy with it. Just constantly remind you that your movie coming out and that's your marketing campaign right there and yeah you know at the time it was earlier at, at you know really coming into her own as a, as a big star um you know hip-hop hip-hop infused culture in in the united states 
mixing with with a lot of martial arts cinema and, and just it really felt like you know again you know you mentioned this you know black black culture mixing with with, with hip hop i'm uh, sorry with um martial arts culture you know the next evolution of that and yeah, yeah. i was pretty much that point and yeah it, it was you know as i mentioned a time capsule of the time product product at time a lot of it some, some of it doesn't hold up but i i is a movie i have no problem watching over and enjoying um to this day um Same yeah I, i don't know I, I give it like a well, you know, by by modern parlance of of film ranking, my 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 kind of tongue and cheek film ranking I use. Um, yeah, I, I give it a a, a movie town, like a solid movie town. You know, right. fun, very silly but good, and you know, just the fighting and action sequences. Again, some of the gimmicky stuff like the, the whole X-ray stuff was kind of goofy, goofy, even though Mortal Kombat currently does use that shit all the time. I uh-huh. think that's why. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's um, that's my general take on it. I just enjoyed for what it was, you know, give it like a, what what I'll consider a movie tongue by today's standards. And um, yeah, it was just you know, it's it's product time. You know, you know, it's a shame that Alia could have gone to become this big mega star by this time. You know, but you know, other people fill fill the um fill out vacuum like Beyonce or whoever it is, right? So we don't. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. All right. So with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online? I'm Posat R-M-E-D-D-Y, that is at R-M-E-D-D-Y on Twitter. And then you could type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook and you'll find me. All right, on Twitter, you could find me at Bear Beat Bailey. On Instagram, you could find me at Bears Beats Bailey. On Facebook, just look for my name, Machu Bailey, along with the Legally Black blog, official fan base, where you find the link to this podcast. Well, including, of course, the Bears Beats Bailey podcast and, well, yes, retrospect reviews as well. So, uh, you know, if if you have any thoughts on, you know, Romeo Must Die, if you think it holds up, or you think it's trash, or you think it's just too, too generic, or you love this movie, or it's your favorite Jet Li movie um, of all time, you know, feel free to comment below and let us know what you thought about it. And yeah, I mean, not much more we could say. That's it. So once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen. This was Matt Bailey. Ricardo Medina. And we are signing off for another episode of Retrospect Review. So until the next one, take care. R.I.P. Aaliyah. R.I.P. Peace.